0: Welcome to What's Left, the weekly political discussion challenge in the mainstream left. I'm Eduardo Barca, co-host, teacher and socialist, Andy Lipson, and community advocate, Tema Sotomayor. We're online at what'sleftpodcast.com. You can find that link to our site in the episode notes, wherever you found this episode. Uh, you can also find our personal social media handles as at Lone Eduardo Barca on Instagram and Jessica's Twitter handle, uh, or now X, X is handle as jhome89. Uh, Jessica is our other co-host who is not here currently she's on sabbatical. Uh, please subscribe, rate your future, turn on your notifications and share your favorite episode where you found this episode. All right. Um, oh, right before I want to let the audience know quickly, just a little selfish 30 second thing. Uh, if anyone is interested in the Bay Area to come over to Berkeley, I'm teaching yoga at the East Bay Healing Collective. I will post that in the episode notes where we found this episode. Uh, I know some people listen to us from the Bay Area. You can find me in Berkeley. I will be teaching Tuesdays and Saturdays. And I you will find the, the schedule there underneath the episode notes. And you as well, please follow Jessica's Twitter handle. She's doing great, amazing things. We'll have an episode with her eventually. Those are two updates. And yes, all right. Oh, and don't forget our shirts. We have shirts. We have an episode on that as well. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so today's topic, let's see. Uh, so last week we had a episode where we were discussing with Gemma, who is here with us and our co-host, and she's also... with us before and we had a a great topic about children and violence and 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 children from the uh post-pandemia uh post lockdowns i shouldn't say really and uh and that was an interesting conversation that we had it was really good um but there was a question that lingered afterwards and the question was what would happen if shit hits the fan? Was it Hema? Is that how you pose it? Or do you want to expand? Why don't you expand Hema where you left off with us?
1: So we were talking about the, and God, I, I have to remember, but we were talking about the damage that we're doing to our students and kind of the need to, how do you fix the school system? That's that's what took us to, well, we're going to have to make change in our community. And we kind of side with, um, segued over to shit hitting the fan, which is a term that I do use. I I do use that often um, and prompted the question from you guys, which is what exactly do I mean by that? And we left off there. So I thought it would be a good, a good starting point. If you're going to ask me, well, what exactly do I mean when shit hits the fan? I've thought about it and I've tried to come up with like a very concise example. And I don't know that I have one. I, I like to think that for me, shit hitting hitting the fan is going to be where I have nowhere to go. I have nowhere to escape to, or to look for, or to do for me. That's one of the reasons why in the previous episode, I said, I know I'm fine. I know my community, my close circle is fine because I, I have a close tight circle I have people that I know that if things went chaotic, if it did go Mad Max, we'd be fine. We'd find a way to survive. But I know that's not a real answer. And so I started asking, well, what could that mean realistically for me? It would be if I found myself homelessness, if I found myself homeless without a way to get a job, whether that be because all of a sudden I became disabled. And I can't find a job, whether that's because the unemployment is like the Great Depression. I really can't find a job. But I find myself in a situation where I cannot take care of myself, let alone take care of others. For me, that would be it. And I am one accident away from getting there. I have my community. But I, I don't think people really realize that we're that close. In San Francisco, homelessness is rampant. And I've known of families that work and they're living out of their car because they can't afford food, bills, rent, their children's stuff. And to me, that would be shit hitting the fan. And I think we're a lot closer to it than we like to admit it. I'm not there. I I don't see myself as being there, but I'm aware that I could be there.
0: Can I further interrogate you? so I can see how I also will see myself in this situation. I have heard you say, come on, you and I are friends outside of what's left. Um, we've met through Andy. <laughs> um, and love for you and I have tremendous admiration for you and you, what you bring to the world and who you are. And I've seen you in situations, do things for people that you're just there. You are there for people. I even when I was in Nicaragua traveling from Central America, you, we knew of each other, but we didn't have the relationship we have today. And you picked me up, I remember, all the way from Managua, uh, which is the capital, to Leon. And you didn't have to do that, right? I was trying to communicate, oh, I'll, I'll find a way to get to Managua, and you just did it the way you did. I also saw how tight knit community you had with your friends there and how they had your back you had their back you mothered them and i I've, I've just seen the dedication and the loyalty and the just how you are towards them which uh, it's very admirable i so here's my interrogation when you say shit hits the fan when you say are you talking about in moments of crisis globally or personally Or locally, Are you talking about in moments of crises that we may go through because of economic situations, because of dangerous situations, because of emotional situations, because of like, what can you expand just to further so I can further interrogate my own, where I can, I I can self-reflect myself?
1: All of the above, Eduardo, at the moment that you no longer feel safe or capable of moving forward, whether that be emotionally, whether that be locally or globally, I would say so. So I know what you're trying to get at, and I'll 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 take us there. In back in 2018, there was an uprising in the country. I, I lived in Nicaragua at that time, and I was considered part of the middle upper class. I had a very good job. I earned very well. Lived very comfortably, and there was a social political movement that started by the students and it just increased and increased in violence. I had no need to get involved, absolutely. I was fine. I was not one of the ones that were being attacked or were being looked at. People were being hurt. And this I do mean, honestly, people on both sides were being hurt because whether you're part of the government or not, you're still a human being. You still have a family, you have to do a job. While I didn't agree with a lot of the actions from the police officers or the military, and I hope that they would have taken a stand and said, no, we're not gonna do this. Ultimately, they were told to do it. And if it wasn't going to be them, it was going to be somebody else. And there were other people. They released a bunch of crooks from jail and used them, gave them like fake titles. You're a police officer. Go. But at that moment, and I did not know anybody personally. I I do want to make that clear. I did not have a single person that I knew directly from my circle or even from my family that I would say they were, they were hit. They were being, they were part of the group. I don't. And even the uprising, it started because, and now I'm kind of jumping around, but just to say it started with the government taking away the rights, um, cutting back on the benefits of the elderly and the elderly went and they, they protested and then they got, they got hit, they got beaten. And that's when the students said, you're not going to do that to these people. And then they took to the streets and I have people that are retired in my family, but they make enough money that even if they cut the benefits, they were still going to be fine. But how do you stand by and you see something like that and not have your blood boil, even if it's not impacting you directly? That's still your country. I have a lot of love for my country. And it hurts. It absolutely hurts. You know, there's a saying in Nicaragua, there's a song that says, Como me dueles, Nicaragua. And it's true. That's exactly how I felt. And so at that moment, what do you do? You go to your circles. I was very fortunate that I had a circle of friends that were well off. And how can we help? We have the money. They don't have the money. They're risking their lives. They're putting their bodies in front of the line. Then we're going to support them. We're going to get them the food. We're going to get them the medical supplies. We're going to get them whatever it is that we can. We're going to interview them. We're going to get their stories out. So that's what it we did. did. was that safe to do so? no, I understand. I was I was followed home. I I had a body thrown at my vehicle Um, and there was this whole tactical thing that we had to do in order to be safe ourselves when getting help. But all of this to say that it was nothing compared to what I think were the lives that people lost. And so if you can do something like that, and that's what I tell people, if you could do something like that, please do so. So was that shit hitting the fan? It was, that was, I would say that that was shit hitting the fan for my community, for my country, not for me directly, even though I am part of that community and I lived in the country, I was not impacted. I had a, my job stayed the same. My salary stayed the same. My quality of life stayed the same. Maybe I couldn't go out to the streets and drink the way that I wanted to. That doesn't really impact your life, right? That's very first world privilege. That's not going to prevent me from being able to rest, to have a safe home. Shit hitting the fan for me was when I came back to the United States. That was very terrifying. When I come back to the States, which had nothing to do with the uprising, but it did kind of coincide with the timing. My life was upside down. I came to the United States and I didn't really have a secure place to live. I didn't know where I was going to stay. I had a friend that had taken me in. But that doesn't mean that you can live there forever. The money that I was making in Nicaragua was not going to be enough to cover living expenses in San Francisco, not even close. And I left most of my money in Nicaragua to pay for my home while I figured out what I was going to do here. Again, I'm fortunate and lucky to have people like Lipson in my life that helped me get that situated. But for me, that was a shit hitting the fan kind of moment. I My life was turned upside down. The partner at the time... My what I thought was my biggest support was taken away. I moved to a country back to the United States and I didn't have a stable living situation. I didn't have a stable job. And it's hard enough for people that already lived in San Francisco or were established in San Francisco. So for me, that was part of shit hitting the fan. And what did I do? I turned to my community, right? So that's to me, the second time that community helps you. I didn't going look for the government to give me food stamps to eat or to give me low rent apartment or housing no fam fa- friends took me in friends gave me food when i didn't have anything to eat in are those
0: things shameful by the way if anyone did not yeah. Yeah. I don't know. yeah i'm
1: not saying that they are but what i'm saying is if i would have gone through the system how long would it have taken me to get what i needed to Which is why I understand why people go to steal. Like, right now, there's a big... uh, Stores are complaining that they're going to have to shut down because of the rampant stealing. Well, they're not making enough money. Your prices are super expensive. They need to find a way to brush their teeth. (laughs) Yes. Um, And in Nicaragua, I was that community to strangers. Right? So... Yeah. Right now, my biggest fear is. I don't think that either myself nor most people in the United States have enough money saved to be in a catastrophe scenario for, let's say, six months. I think of Lahaina, I think of all the people that lost their homes. Where do they go? How do they start? How do they rebuild? And especially in California, that insurance companies are leaving. They're not going to be insuring your house. If we do get a big earthquake, what do people do? So right now, if I were to say shit hitting the fan, to your point, Eduardo, I would say would have to be a big catastrophe, not globally. I think the United States will survive if something goes wrong somewhere else. But if it happens here in home.
2: Andy?
3: Well, th- I'm glad we're doing this because my, my shit hitting in the fan is, is a little different. Um, and so the reason I, I wanted to have this conversation is because fear has been a fear has been part of the background conversation since probably, well, since what's left started, but certainly since this whole COVID thing and the, the, pandemic you know got pushed as a mechanism for control and you know there was this recent um you everyone got the 11:20 or the the phone call from the from the government mm-hmm. basically the emergency thing um which uh there was an article by god damn it, i can't remember his name jeff Strahl. well jeff straw sent an article by a, a dude who i can't remember his name now but basically saying that that thing there was a lot of people worried that this is a Four, 5g attack on us. And there was going to be some other thing that was going to happen through that. Maybe it did. I don't know, but I don't think that's what that was about, but it was about fear. And it was about reminding, I do think it was about reminding people that you, you look to us, you look to the government, you, you look to the state to tell you what to be afraid of and to tell you what to do when we tell you what to be afraid of. So I think it's important to be specific when we talk about shit hitting the fan because fear is being used as a way of controlling us. And it has been for all our lives, but I do think I'm much, very conscious of the forces that are out there who don't who, who, who don't mean us well, and who actually have an intent to harm us, and who make it so that things like Lahaina are likely not accidents but were intentional, or East Palestine is not an accident but has an intent behind it, and that there are forces that are pushing that that intent and are directing that intent, and are, are trying to j- profit and, and and enrich themselves out of, out of these intentional actions. Also, the pandemic, the the lock the lockdowns that came from it, that was intentional. Like th- there was an intent behind it, acted through the government and corporations and through through states across the world, and they all took advantage of w- what they could do for themselves, um, and are attempting. to, In my my opinion, it's it's a it's like a global scramble for profits. China. Russia, United States, Europe. Um so I think it's important to 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 actually say what it is we're afraid about because if if we keep it general then I actually think then I actually feel like our our opposition has gotten has gotten its way with us. Um so for me the biggest fear, the background fear for me about what the, that I get concerned about is nuclear war and is is, is is what I believe is the repeat. I do believe capitalism dri- is is driven by competition and I believe that competition has led to two pre- previous world wars and I believe it's leading us to a third. And I believe that that third wo- global war will have nuclear weapons. And I think this thing on Ukraine is a piece of moving towards that. And that's why I predict that there's no end to Ukraine. There's only going to be an, an expansion of it. Um, in some way, shape, or form. If that's not the case, I'll be pleased, and then that means that my theory about how these things are going is either wrong or mistaken, or or it has to be re- rethought of for sure. So that that's the first shit hit the fan, the biggest backdrop to shit hitting the fan for me, and I've made plans around that. Um, like I reached out to my when I went home to Columbia, Missouri, I talked with my mom and my brother about what would do we all think that this could happen? And all of us did. And then we talked about the fact that my mom's home is likely the best place if we could survive this, that that's the best place to come to. And that's what we want to do. We likely would not be able to communicate this. So if you're going to do anything with, you, with what remains, we're all going to try to get to that place and bring whoever we can with us. And we talked about some of those people, um, you know, and people like you were mentioned. Um, depending on where you're at, you know, and Brian, we talked about Brian, even Jake, I reached out to from Chicago um, and said, Hey Jake, you know, if you got no place, this is where we're meeting. And it's not, it's, and with the idea that we don't even know what survival would look like, but the only, the only people I believe I could survive with are those people. And in the same way that Hema, you're talking about community is like, what, what, what community is at your center that, that you think would have the strength spiritually, physically, and mentally to 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 get through that kind of moment. And so that's my, that is the biggest shit hitting the fan thing that I think about. And even Brandy and I have made plans. like, and I've even thought this through to the point of like, I think more likely the, the scenario I worry about, or rather I that will give me an indication it's happening, is nuclear weapons being used in Europe. So I don't think they're going to be used, they're not going to send them out of the submarines and flying from Russia to the United States initially. I think they'll first be nuclear weapons used in Europe. But once that happens, I believe the clock is I believe the clock is ticking on actually getting out of a city and being able to get to a place where you might be able to survive such a thing, in my opinion. But that's what I think, and and I've and I've talked that through with family members. And said, what would our plan be if we could make a plan? And if we survive such an assault, which I think would be a, a somewhat of a global holocaust of sorts. Um, but then there are many shit, shit hitting the fence. I think a digital currency may mean we, that any electronic money we have, we could remove access to it for whatever reason. I think there will generally have to be reasons, but I don't think there has to be a big reason. So Brandy and I have made, made financial plans. That means we have liquid assets, right? Assets that are not in, in bank accounts. All right. And then there, was, there is, for me, the, the notion of either out of, out of inflation or the control of food when I hear about things that Bill Gates and these forces are doing, that our food could be controlled and it would be difficult to get food. So we've stored food. With the idea that that would give us time to get to a place where we wouldn't be controlled and like where they're going to force us to eat foods that we really don't want to eat, whether they be bug <laughs> bugs or things with fucking MRNA injections in them. That's like, there's nothing else here. So this is what you got. Those are the fe- Like, so that's a fear and there's plans we've made in relationship to those fears. Um, I think other ones are just to not be safe in cities. And so needing to be a place where we're out of a city and that we might have to grow our own food or be with other people who learned how to grow food, who know how to grow food. So we've started to dabble in like growing food. Like what, what are the difficulties there? And that's, you know, we reached out to Eduardo that he started us off. So what I'm going to say is I think what's, what I think is most important when people, cause I think everyone is thinking about the shit hit the fan thing, but I believe it's important to be specific about what, you are afraid of and I might have hit every fear I might have but those are the ones that I can think of initially that and and the other thing I would say is I would say make sure your fears are concrete and make sure you're making some kind of plan in relationship to them because then then you're otherwise your fears really are not concrete otherwise it's just general fear and general fear is the plan for all of us we are we are they are intentionally making us fearful um, and so it's important, I think, to, to to take it out of the general and bring it into the specific, if that makes any sense.
1: It does. I want to say a couple of things to what you said, Libs, and thank you for sharing. Um, fear is normal. And I'm glad that we're talking about it and, you know, that you're putting a name to the face of what your fear is. I think the more important part is taking action. We're all going to feel fear and we should... <clears throat> okay with that and be able to take action and do what it is that you've in your case the you know the plan that you've discussed with your family and be able to to do it this is why i feel good about this shit hitting the fan scenarios because i've been put in that situation twice and where you have what is it fight or flight mine's was fight on both or freeze or people freeze Mm -hmm. mine's was fight on, on both scenarios so odds are that if i had two out of two Okay. probably the third time i'm gonna probably fight <laughs> right and and at that point it, it's instinct and taking that plan and eduardo if you don't mind i i always thought these people were so crazy with these preppers who are you prepping for you know and my brother's one of them. My brother is one of these preppers, and it's so stupid to say because when I was living in Nicaragua, why did I want such big plot of land? Why did I chose the spot that was so close to a water source? Because I knew if shit hits the fan, I can dig down and do my own well to get the water that you know feeds the entire city. Two, my land is very fertile. The people that I bought the land from were actually part of the revolution, and they use it as a base, so they would plant there they would have animals and they buried those animals in there and all of that just made the land very very fertile so anything that I've planted in that land has grown like mm-hmm. you know, I had beans I had corn you got like there's just so many things and I realized you know it's not that far off if I'm thinking about it and if I'm thinking about it is for a reason and I know I'm not the only one but yeah I, to your point I remember and maybe it's because my uncle was you know he's seen two big fights now in his lifetime he would always tell us if something happens this is the meetup point this is what you get like he was so big on making sure that we were ready to get up and go and what kind of stuff we had to take because he lived it um so yeah but um I there was more i wanted to say but i i want to give eduardo a chance
0: no 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 i'm always listening by the way i, I... For me, it's like I cannot just stare at the screen because I start getting self conscious, by the way. But finish, Emma.
1: No, I, because I had such a difficult time coming up with what would be shit hitting the fan, I looked, I went in and started reading again, me reading. And I realized that I'm not alone. Like there's, there's a couple of, um, do you guys, so there was this one interview for one prepper by, you know, and he purchased one of these nuclear. Bombshell shelters that they build in the middle of nowhere. He purchased it for like three hundred thousand dollars. He was able to get two million dollars of investors, and he essentially built like this. He says it's it's a shelter for seventy five people, and each one sells for two point four million. It's fourteen apartments, and all but two have sold. And he's not the only one. Costco is selling bricks of gold. So to your point, liquid money, and Costco selling bars of gold and they're being sold out they're selling out people are waiting and costco is not just selling gold bars but they're also selling survival kits it's mainstream before i knew it was like you would go to lowe's or your local home depot you would get a gallon one of those gallon tubs and then you would start building in your own now it's like no they're just selling it to you you can buy this you know in mass we're not the only ones. To your point, you might be right, Lipsen. People might be reacting to fear. They don't know exactly what they fear, but the government's telling them to fear. Yeah. So they're like, I got to do something. Let me start prepping.
3: Right. And it it cuts both ways. That's why this gets so confusing. Because when it when you see it commodified that way, it can also be the thing of, "Oh, look. They've 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 they've, they've created their own another market for themselves um, using fear. And now they're making money off of us. You know, so it's 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 a challenging thing, honestly, to, to, to think about and to and to even hear your examples, because I'm like, oh, yeah, that could be oh, other people feel that way. But it also tells me that my opponents, our opponents are taking advantage of it. And that I, I note that. And, you know, the, the what it ultimately comes down to. Then is what is my intuition in relationship to those things, you know, because you can, you can, I feel like you can make arguments on both sides of that. And these ones, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't feel, I feel, I feel pretty pessimistic about the future in relationship to society. Like you, Hema, I feel very good about the community I'm in and the the ties we built, you know? Um, and I feel like, if 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 there are options for people, then I'm I'm with a set of people where I'm gonna I may be able to have some options, you know, in relationship to whatever takes place. Um but I would say it's still confounding to me to even hear what you're saying about Costco doing things like that. That that cuts both both ways for me. I'm going like, ooh, am I getting played here? And Let I Let me I'll, not
1: tell I'll, you my other statistics then.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean and, and that, that, so it, it, I don't have an answer to that. All I, all I know is that, uh, World War I happened, World War II did happen, economic crisis and the Great Depression happened. And some people would say they were literally organized. I think they were systemic crises and I think they have a cycle to them. And I think the cycle gets worse each round. Um, that's even stuff that Marx would even talk about. So I'm I'm still going with that framework. And so I I go, okay, you know, and US is preparing for war with China. Um, these these things tell and these things are gonna come along with economic problems. Um and so that's that's where I go, Well, how does one prepare for that? And I do I think what you who was it who said finding your meetup points? My uncle. Yeah. I think, I think your uncle's right. I think that ultimately is the first thing to, that one of the major things to do is to talk, to think about who are the people you want to talk with about meetup points and what those meetup points are and what do those meetup points to look like. But, and that's with the uh, belief that these fears are real and not just being created as control, as, as points of control. And that's the problem in this conversation for me is like, they can be both, or maybe they could, you know, or. They're going to be one or the other. And I started this conversation thinking more like, no, this is what we should fear. But I'm reminded that powers are using things in a particular way. So this is a difficult conversation, actually, for me.
1: But this is why I say I don't think you can. The fact that you could so easily pinpoint what your shit hitting the fan is, I couldn't. To me, again, it's just if I am not mentally... Or emotionally well to me, that's shit hitting the fan, and that could that that was lockdowns, right? Nuclear war would definitely do that.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, global crisis would definitely do that. But what would also do that is going back to last week's episode. What if my children don't have a safe environment to be at school? What if the livelihood of me, you know, so what would I do? I would get, go to my meetup point with my community and say, we're making this community. Fuck that shit. I don't care if they call it a cult. <laughs> I don't care what they say at that point. But to me, anything that would cost you to feel the urge or the need to drastically change your current situation would be shit hitting the fan. Yeah.
2: Eduardo? Sorry. No, yeah. <clears throat>
0: I guess this is a very broad, vague question, and we can answer it in different ways. You now, there are different ways to answer this question. And if we were to look at it like if we're a global nuclear disaster, such as the time when people were fearing for the Cuban Missile, cri- missile Crisis days, I mean, people were preparing um, at that time in the USA, going and, and having drills, I think it was, right? Uh, <clears throat> I, I do get concerned, Kama, when you say Nicaragua because as much as I love Nicaragua, and I don't say this, with, uh, I say this out of worry. It's it's Central America, and it's the gateway to cross. You know, it's 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 that very crossing. It's like people are not going to go around. And if people, and if Russia wants to destroy the economic situation, or or the USA wants to destroy it for another country, or whatever, any country wants to destroy China or whatever or Asia, whoever wants to destroy it, for, they, will, they will blast that area because it's an entryway. And that's what I fear for Central America. It's like my heart always thinks that way in my mind because it's it's such a key important economic thing in this global world. Like that is a big gateway to go across the Atlantic to the Pacific. And um, so I, I worry, I worry about that area and they wanted to make even a, another canal in Nicaragua, right?
1: You and I both, Eduardo. That's why now I'm going to Montana or Wyoming. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead.
2: And uh,
0: <laughs> uh, and um, but I I would um, so when I think about nuclear disasters, when I think of when I think of a uh, missile crisis, when I think of a uh, nuclear bomb, and I think of Hiroshima and and Nagasaki and, and Nagasaki was it right? Yeah. Uh, Hiroshima. Well, Hiroshima, for sure. I I think that. I've, I've come to realize there's just not going to be any safe place. That's the way that's the way I, I've come to think of it. And they are just going to be more red zones. And I think San Francisco is a very strong red zone. <laughs> I don't think where I'm at, it's basically almost an island if it's not because of the peninsula connecting to the South Bay. And I'm very proud and happy that I live on this side of SF, which is right on the border, because if there's an earthquake, People are running this way. If you look in history, people run this way. They didn't go towards Golden Gate or Bay Bridge because those bridges, if there's an earthquake, something might happen. <laughs> people run this way. So I'm just having to drive over, down over to the the south of the peninsula.
1: <laughs> I live high, um, so if there's if there's an earthquake and there's a tsunami, I know I'm good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so anyhow, I uh, so I, I I think about just how scary it is to be here and. Uh, so as far as like location goes, I just think the USA's hot spots are cities. That's number one. Cities, major cities, New York, San Francisco, LA, Chicago, Miami, uh, you know, these are the main, Washington DC, you know, uh, the Pentagon area, you know, these are very hot red zones. And so I, I know my life is in risk because of that. Um, as far as like what we're doing to the environment, with all this spraying that's going on of you know chemicals and chemtrails and and as far wow. as what we're doing to our agricultural runoffs and what are we doing to the water, I just think it's inevitable. And there's just also very strong, um, uh, very strong hotspots where that's just going to be more concentrated than other areas. And uh, so, I believe that one has to have the skills to try to mitigate or to try to sort of have a, like a a filtering system. So I do think that people have to prepare themselves. Uh, And and luckily I've lived in in Mexico and I've lived in in California where it's strong uh, earthquake, earthquake zones. So my mind has always thought about the need to be preparing yourself and to be in communication with people. So those things are for me, the necessity to do that. Uh, you know, September for us in Mexico was because there've been several earthquakes during September for us was like a anniversary of planning. And that's how I think of it. And here in, in San Francisco as well, you go to the Academy of science and you have to think about those things because they bring it up all the time. And if you went to school here, like you and I have, when we had to study here, it's like, you know, they talked about that and they made us do these drills. Oh. Right. And so I believe that we have to be preparing for those things. And I, and I, um, so if if it's a if it comes to those things, which will eventually lead to more disparities and who has and who does not have, because those who have can fly to zones and to go to areas where they have the resources that they need. It depends. We I, that's why I I believe and I said it in our workers and students for choice meeting, you have to have skills, basic skills. You have to have. You have to learn how to grow. You have to learn how to make your own compost because our soils are going to be depleting of 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 nutrients you have to learn how to you have to learn how to use instruments like a gun you know and every time i go to florida and you know people might say well wow you're speaking of that as a yoga instructor and as a vipassana meditator well i'm not a monk first of all i'm a lay practitioner but i do now since we've done what's left i do now believe that you know and even if you are a buddhist in my case like i don't think i'm a buddhist buddhist but i have my my, my my affiliation because of my practices are tied to that. You know, in Japan, they've always had these Buddhist traditions and it's like the act of violence was used skillfully. And I believe that people should like have a discipline. If you're going to be using things such as those weapons or, you know, the, the, those instruments or or act of violence, I believe people should have like their compass to when they're going to use that such weapon. Because I I think people use them and they have mental health issues and bam, you know, but if you have a compass and you're disciplined and you know, when you're going to have to use those instruments, well, then you go, I don't personally own one. I have used them, uh, ranges, you know, I have my friend Jake who's been on what's left before. Uh, he's had me use them. I've been to, I've lived in Idaho for some time. I've used shot guns out there just for practice. I've never shot an animal in my life. I wouldn't do that. I don't think I need to do that at this moment. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I always think like I'm a vegetarian. I'll eat meat if I have to. If I'm going through a jungle, if I have to, if, I mean, I will thank the animals of that of the forest to, for the opportunity to give me more life, so I can continue protecting them. You know, <laughs> but I won't do it if it's uncalled for. And so I, I believe that you have to take drastic drastic times call for drastic measures. So if you have to survive, you have to survive, and that means doing things like for other people as well. You know, my great grandfather, who was my biggest inspiration in Mexico where I grew up. Amacuzac, Morelos, which is very close to Cuernavaca. If people got, look at Mexico City, two, two to three hours south of Mexico City is Cuernavaca. And that's where most people used to go for like their summer vacations, if you're from the capital. I'm very close to Cuernavaca, there was a small town. There was a very deserted area. And I remember my great-grandfather, when he was there about 50 years ago, He all he did was he would grow trees. He would grow trees, he never grew whatever tree it was fruit trees. And he would tamarindo and aguacate and he would have papayas and plátano and 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 guayaba and he kept growing bamboo to build things because you couldn't and bamboo grows fast. And, and he there was very sturdy. The thick kind, the very tall kind, not like the little skinny kind, no. And and so there weren't a lot of trees because Mexico's gone through so many places so many phases of like climate um, like logging. And so what's happened is through, through civil wars, through the many, many people's needs for uh, like just the necessities to survive, they've cut a lot of wood. So our forests have depleted in those areas. So he would just grow bamboo and slowly he had this oasis. And to this day, if I, if you go there, there's all this life after 50 years, you have these trees growing. When people don't have money, all they do is knock on my great grandfather's land and he gives them lemons he gives them limes he gives them avocados he gives them mangos like it's just falling on the ground and that's thanks to the investment that he put into that land where even if you go to his land when you go just like a kilometer away from his land it gets hotter whereas you go to his area it's humid because of the because of so much shade under under our, our house my my childhood house my great grandfather's home and so it really is. I would say, why don't you sell these? He's like, well, I don't need to sell anything that God, because he believes in God. You know, everyone has their spirituality, their spiritual path. He's like, I don't believe I should sell things that God has given me for free. And there's plenty to 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 share. And when we've had economic times, he's told me, when we've gone through rough economic times, I don't I don't have a necessity to go out to go, you know, buy something. There's all the food is here, and it's given a lot of um also uh, life to the animals surrounding. And if you look from far away, cause I, there's a, a hill that you can look from, it's the green patch and everything around is sort of dry because people do a lot of milpa. They they, they they grow a lot of corn and then they cut it and then it's done and it looks dry and it's deserted. And not his, he has it like permaculture. He doesn't think of a permaculture, but a mix. He has some, some, uh, some, elote, some, some corn, and then he's got trees underneath and it's all like layers of a food forest that takes care of itself. And he doesn't use pesticides because of all the greenery that goes around there. He has you know, beneficial insects that live there. So it's not just a monoculture. It is, it is a whole biodynamic culture of food growing together and with different layers. You have the first layer, second, third, and you have the mycelium growing underneath. You have vines growing up the trees. And it just, that's what inspired me to do more of my gardening, because you just never know when you, and you have to do this community together to survive. And I believe that that's a skill, just like I believe using uh, a gun is a skill, just like I believe learning how to uh, build your own fire is a skill. And these things might have to come into handy one day, you know, and I also believe meditating is a skill. If we become political prisoners, I don't want to go mad. You know, I don't want to go mad, closed up in a you know, some of the friends that you have introduced me to through your community, Chema, the things that they have gone through, because I've met three, two of them. The torturing. And one day, maybe we should interview them. They've been tortured. The things that they have shared with me. Just in one session, one sitting with them, I thought to myself in that moment, I'm meditating more. <laughs> I mean, it just like... I mean, the effects of... And I can say his name, I think, because he's publicly listed and everything. If that's okay, yeah.
1: I know that he would want. I, honestly, I don't think he would care. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, Kevin, I will. Well, let's just say Kevin.
1: Yeah, don't say lesson.
0: The way that he described being in isolation, and even just like talking to him and his partner, just the the effects of. The aftermath of their imprisonment, I, I I do believe you need to have mental strength. You need to be, you need to have a mental skill or a mental thing to be able to deal with that kind of level of torture, you know. And I'm sure people find it in their own way. It may not be meditating, but it might be praying. It might be chanting. It might be repeating their family's names. It might be whatever. Their hope, and that's what we have. But I, I, I've come to think that, you know, you need to have something. So I believe not just growing food. I believe developing the mind to be able to do, to deal with the, that kind of level. And I'm not sure if I'm able to, who knows? I've never been put on the spot like that. I've been in other situations, like I've mentioned, you know, where I've had to confront police officers in my own country uh, to protect migrants. And, you know, I've been threatened. I've had a gun uh, pointed at me in Guatemala through my travels. I mean. I have gone through small things, but I'm not I have never gone through that level of 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 uh, confrontation with the government. And so I believe that these skills are necessary, right? And to have the principles that you have, you have to, you have to join a community. you have to. And that's why I also told you, like aside, you know, we had a conversation, you and I came out on the phone, that growing with people, seeing each other, I think I've come to realize over the years, this is a necessity in your community, wherever you're at. And I hope whoever's listening, you know, hope, like where, where hope can only be continued to the spark of hope can only continue to fire or live on. If you have love for others and if people love you and you're in relationship with others, we're humans. And that is only developed through your relationships and being together. This is nice that we're here virtually, but really that heat and whether auras exist or not, I'm not sure. But just being in someone's surrounding and sharing that space together, even just presently, like we have been through this time. Andy, we saw each other on Sunday. There is a difference. And just, even if you don't say much, it's being present together. It does something to the body. It does something to the psyche. It does something to ourselves and our community. And I believe that that is a part of uh survival if you if you if I may say so, because it, it does give you the strength to keep on going if you have people in your lives. And I believe in intergenerational relationships, you know, with older and younger, you know us with the younger and giving them that 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 wing, right or the older, giving them that space to feel safe with us and also we with them right so it just there's so many layers of what we can discuss here and i'm hoping that i'm tackling the most important things which i'm discussing like survival skills and i'm discussing like the the need to also be real about our locations and how the world is messed up and unfortunately we're going to have to just deal with the f- fact that we're going to live in a contaminated society and uh and we look at, Hi- at hiroshima and nakasaki like we look at hiroshima and they have it's been tough and i'm not i don't want to look at them like oh look at them and let's admire them no but They are an example of, you know, a community that has survived a nuclear bomb, unfortunately, and they have slowly but surely built themselves up. Unfortunately, there's a lot of radiation, and just like in other parts of the world, like in Ukraine, but I think that that's the world we're looking into. I think so. And if I may just go one more, one more area, you talked about your child, of your future child, Kema. I believe that as a parent, anyone who decides to have a child in, in this world. I personally have a belief that, I do believe the world is big enough to have a lot of humans. I do think so, but I don't think we are spread out evenly for us to be able to survive. I think we're concentrated in specific areas. And I also think that disparities and the, and the economic, uh, economic uh, uh, gaps in our society are making some people lose more and other people win more. And so I, I just don't think that everybody's going to be able to be, because we live in a capitalist society, I don't think everyone's going to be at the top 1%, 10%, top 20%. That means the rest of us are screwed. And that, what kind of society does that mean for our children? I don't think everyone's going to be a millionaire to be able to live a comfortable life. And so I think our children, I'm speaking to us, the working class, I think our children are going to live in a society that's going to be very difficult for them, unfortunately. These are my opinions is my, my strong position. And therefore it's a hard life. The future will be very hard for us, the working class, and it'll be the hunger games. And I don't want my child, if I was to have a child, because I can have children. I've been offered many times to donate sperm to have a family with other people. I, 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 I've refused. Because I wouldn't want to bring my child into a world where I know the Hunger Games are the, face, the future they face. And I have, I have fostered a former student of mine for 10 years, and he was my child. He was my little brother. He wasn't, I wasn't his father, per se, but he, we, we would see each other as brothers. Me raising as an older brother, raising him as my younger brother. And I will say that the important thing in raising a child is you need to have strong community. And that may mean some people come into your life temporarily, some people come into your long-term. And I reached out everywhere. I've reached out everywhere. And you have to reach out everywhere. Andy helped me at some time. You had, I remember you would go out with Andy and uh, my former charge. I remember I even took my former charge over to Nicaragua and we stayed there. And Kemal was like, leave him alone and help me out. And like, you know, and there was the him space. and. You know, you need people to tell you those kind of things. People who are willing to be those, you know, 10-second tías or one-year tías or whatever. And hopefully you have those long-term time when you have your children around. You have those people who are consistent in their life. And what it what does it mean in a school? We're still exploring that with my nephew. I don't know if we're going to be, because I co-raised my nephew, I don't know if we're going to be in public school forever. I'm not sure. For now, it's good. I'm there. I'm involved. He sees me, I'm present, people have respect for him because they see my presence. I've worked at the particular school that he goes to for over 10 years. I have volunteered, I spent lots of energy there. I have people looking out for him. I have developed the relationships and that's the important thing, developing the relationships. People will keep an eye on him. I'm not sure for middle school. It's a challenging time these days, post-pandemia, post-lockdowns. As we've read in last week's episode and, and as we've studied and, and shared our thoughts, Children are going through a mental health crisis at this time. And I'm not sure if I want, and this is my brother's decision, I'm not sure if we want him to go through a time where people are mentally unstable. And it's not the children's fault. (laughs) There's a lot of factors we've discussed already, and we don't have to go into it. But when I had my former charge, when I fostered my former student, I had to make those decisions. We went from public to private to public. To private small school to finally take him out and we had to go abroad and those are decisions I had to I had to make for his well-being and for my well-being and that's a challenging thing to do especially when you build your community in a certain place and it's hard but you always have to look for your child's needs so i I give I give I don't know how families and you and anyone else was interested in having kids I'm not saying I hate babies I'm saying I have a lot of love that to me, it's hard to see the world that we're going to live into bringing our children into this world, so, yeah, those are my thoughts. I've said a lot, I'm sorry, so anyhow, maybe anyone can comment in from anything that I said, yeah,
1: thank you i I think that that was very profound. that was very deep. I think you're to your point, it hit a lot of things. um, it definitely vocalized what I've been feeling, which is it's just anything shit hits the fan as anything, you know. And to your point, Eduardo, you're going to need so many skills, so many skills to survive because it can look like anything. I personally in the thought of nuclear warfare it doesn't frighten me as much because I'm going to be gone. Like I, I legitimately believe I live in a city that, if nuclear warfare did happen, I'd probably go out in an instant. Um, it's more of the mm-hmm. other those little those little Things that we, little by little, we've grown accustomed to. Again, here in San Francisco, we've grown accustomed to seeing people overdose on the streets. We've grown accustomed to all the rampant homelessness, all the tent cities. I just don't know how people, I just don't understand how we as a city don't see this as shit hitting the fan. This is our community. Why are we so okay with this? Why are we waiting for the government to do something? You know? And to your response, To your point, Eduardo, I feel good about bringing a child into this world because there's never going to be a better time.
2: Mm. Things are just going to get worse Mm -hmm.
1: before they get better. And I have faith in my circle. I have faith in those around me that I love, that I know we will create a little piece of paradise for my child. That, and not everyone has that luxury. I think that's a luxury worth fighting for, not the luxury of having the mansion, not the luxury of having the clothes. The luxury that people should be striving to have is a strong community filled with love and support that it does not matter what you get thrown at. You will make it through because of your commitment to each other. Um, and it's such a it's such a dark topic to discuss. but. I like that you guys, I wasn't prepared to answer what I really felt shit hitting the fan is. But I like the fact that it made me think. I hope the audience thinks. I hope the audience reflects and prioritizes what's important to them. And works through making sure that that can continue regardless of what happens. Otherwise, you're just a zombie. No sense of living, right?
3: Yeah. and. I thought, Eduardo, things that made made a few things that that I thought while you were talking was one yeah. that when I think about my fears, they're not because there are earthquakes, there are tornadoes. I think in California, they talked about super volcanoes, like in Yosemite. Have you heard about that? You know, so there's natural disasters. Those are not the ones on my mind. I think I am when I, I'm thinking of institutions, I'm thinking of governments, I'm thinking of corporations. I'm thinking of people um, and the way society is organized and to, and to make unnatural disasters. Um, so that's mostly what I'm thinking about, at least. And um, the other thing there's one other thing, I can't remember it. But I guess the summary for me was, as much as it's the answer to, the answer to this to what's coming and what's happening is not a what or a how but it, it is a who like it's who are you in relationship with and so i think i that's this this conversation reminded me that what i have is not going to be some sort of insight into what's going on or knowledge about how to do something i think it's going to come down to who i know and who i'm with and who I, and who is also part of my circle and that would be you two and, and others, as i mentioned in the show, um, I guess that's, that's the
2: resource. And that's, and that's the, uh,
3: that's the, um, safety plan it is just, and it is something that is a long-term thing. Um, and, and that's what you mentioned as well, Eduardo. that was the other thing is, that you mentioned the length of the relationships and continually building them. And I do see myself as as doing that, as trying to do that generally in like workers and students for choice, even though it's online, but even locally maintaining longer relationships with people who I know and just see where that leads. Um, we don't have to be friends, but maybe we have a common belief about and common concerns about the future, but we can we can build trust. And I think that That is
2: what is going to be important: is building trust between people.
0: I go ahead. Did you want to say something?
1: The only thing I wanted to say was, I I agree with a lot of the. Now that I've been reading more about it, I do agree with a lot of the things that the preppers are doing again to prepare. The one thing that I do disagree with is how tight they are. How they they from what I've gathered, which could be wrong. It's I have enough for five people. That's it. Anybody else that comes close, I'm gonna shoot them. They're not gonna come to my resources. (laughs) And (laughs) it's true. I actually know some people like that. I know some people that are stockpiling weapons, because if shit hits the fan, they don't want anybody coming close to their home.
0: Oh, my God. Can we edit this? No. Oh,
1: (laughs) no.
2: Oh, it's a, a good point.
1: But that's exactly what's going to divide us. That's what's exactly going to make us vulnerable. Yeah. Because you only have so many guns. You only have so many ammo, so many bullets. What are you going to do when you run out of your food? What are you going to do when you run out of that? You're going to want to go to your next door neighbor that had a lemon tree. You're going to want to go to Eduardo's great-grandfather's house. And they're not going to want to give you anything. People
0: are doing that, actually. They're starting to steal from his. They're jumping over. And they're stealing lemons and stuff. Luckily, he's fine. Like, But they sell, they're taking away food chickens and stuff he but he's got a surplus
1: mm-hmm. well it's going to be fine right at, at that point he should see it as the, he is a community a big part of that community and i guarantee you most likely that if for any reason your country your grandfather great-grandfather found himself in a political turmoil turmoil where he, they wanted to take him they wanted to do something his community would probably stand up those people that are stealing his lemons They'll probably sign up for him.
2: Yeah. They know him for a long time.
1: And and that's what I mean when, again, if you're going to prepare, prepare emotionally. Eduardo, you're right. Prepare mentally. I, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but a lot of the people that I've spoken to post Nicaragua, it's just, I, I don't know that I would have had that, you know, mental strength.
0: Yeah. You know, and 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 it's good to prep and stuff. And Jake maybe should come on to this episode on one on the future. He's just gonna focus, though. He should focus just on what he's gonna talk about, not delve into other areas. Because I know my friend Jake, but he's big on prepping, big on prepping, and he's got a lot of ideas. And the way he talks about it, I know he's always took me because you know I love him. We've known each other since we were kids, and he's always said if anything happens you just come over and you just i'll i'll take care of you and i'm not sure if i'll go over because i don't want to abandon my family but you know like he's every time i go visit him i'm just amazed at the things he has i don't want to say more than that (laughs) just like ammo and guns and food and seeds and and packages and and fire and this and i'm just like knives i'm like what is going
1: on jacob (laughs) that's that's not sustainable that's great for the first month while you're kind of organizing yourself right
0: yeah but that's that's why he wants to get land and he's going to build a barrier around it and oh my goodness he is something else but anyhow i just want to say okay so we've discussed prepping we've discussed the future we've discussed i want to say on a current date on a current level though i i believe i believe though we are in a crisis you know, I don't think we have maybe reached the level of some of the extremist areas we've already discussed, but we are in a crisis already, you know, and I believe what we has to happen is people, whoever's listening, you have to find your community. You have to find people you can rely on, to talk to, 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 to lean on or us. And I, I consider myself to be this way as a nurse shark. Um, I consider myself to be that, that person for other people. You know, I, I'm those people that can take in the, I don't know, it doesn't, I mean, of course it affects my psyche, but I'm not as as affected by some people's share as other people, and I don't get stressed over it. I try to be present for others. And when people share things with me, and I do get calls almost every day by something, I have 19 cousins from my father's, 19 first cousins on my father's side, I have nine other on my mother's side, I have other Cousins and tias and tias, and I get a bunch of calls and messages, and and then I have my community in South America, you know, Venezuelan friends and people from Colombia, and I have also my sex work community. I still get calls, and and it's like I I hope, and I don't always have the time, but I hope that I have the strength to provide them what they need in this moment. And I was on a call today with someone who is twenty years old. He's economically not well. And he's going through a lot of hardships. And, you know, I made him laugh. We talked and I was preparing a meal because I, I he calls constantly. I do try. It's like I feel like I'm a helpline. You know, one of those calls that you do for, like, people who are intoxicated and they need to, like, help. I need to be um, I need a. I need help before I get overdosed or people on a suicide line or whatever. It's like, oh, my goodness. That's how I feel. And I try. I really do try to pick up. And so I do things on the, on the, on on my, at the same time and just having that conversation with that person, it just alleviated so much like for him, what he needed was just someone to hear him, to love him, to share something with him. And he, and we talked about a plan and things. And even on Workers and Students for Choice, I was following up with, you. Remember, I don't want to say her name here, but there's one person from Workers and Students for Choice that during the time of the lockdowns, during a meeting, she had said she didn't want to live anymore. And I immediately followed up with her and we had like six calls after that, you know, she and I, and she talked for like three hours with me. I had to do other things too, but I gave her the space to be able to carry on. And if that's possible and whoever's doing that, you know, if you can be a present for someone else, that's great. You know, and unfortunately she's in New York. I don't know if I should say things. Unfortunately, she's very far and, and I'm here in the West coast and they're in the East coast. And, but it did, it did give that safety net in that moment, that person needed this to, to just to live a little longer, you know? And I feel that that's what I, I do. You know, I do that for my former charge who I fostered. I do that for my brother. I do that for my nephew. Not like he has depression, but like I, I'm there, I'm present. And I think that the the thing is we're such in challenging times that my heart really goes out to everyone who just needs a little uh, respite is the word, you know? So I hope I'm there for both of you. If you need me, I'm, I'm open there for our audience. If they want to contact me, they, I have my Instagram on, uh, and I've had messages. Thank thank you for those messages. Like, uh, and I, I do my best to respond to things. And I think I do try. I now have left, uh, left audios now because I can't text anymore. And so I think we're in a crisis and we have to be there for one another because it's a challenging time. We all that we're having, I don't think politicians are going to look at. When you said that, you know, the government, you know, I don't think they're going to look out for us. It's going to be us that we're going to have to take ourselves. Kama, you were involved in a community action plan in the community that you worked in, in the Mission District, sending food to families in need during the time of lockdowns. You did that out of your own volition, out of your own desire to help people. I created a space where I thought I was in alignment with some of the people that I, that for my, uh, for my uh, learning pod, from my teaching, when I taught kindergarten for my families that I was, I thought we were in alignment about many things. And then suddenly we had, uh, we came to a point where we had divisions, but for those children though, we provided that safe space during the lockdowns the the place for them to just to be kids, do you know, and and I think that that's what we have to continuously think. It's not just also preparing for the future; it's also being present in the in the moment today. And we have to think about the people who are in our lives, in our family, in our community, in our relationships, and and give them that respite, that alleviation that they also need at this time. Do you know.
1: Imagine if all the community. Imagine if that you had thousands hundreds of thousands of pockets of small communities like this you could avert global di- you could avert global disaster you could it's the inaction it's the unwillingness to help it's the lack of empathy
2: yeah
0: yeah there have been moments where i have prevented people from doing something they should either taking in and self being self medicated and taking in and something they shouldn't do or being involved in a situation where they're with another person. And you both know this person where they might have been in a situation. They probably needed to be out of in a relationship that wasn't healthy or be, you know, or stop their life. You know, so I think about people like this all the time, you know, so anyhow, that I just thought about this because we were th- talking about prepping and a nuclear war and I don't think that those things are not going to happen. Those obviously it's where there's things that I think are predictable, but today, now, jueves, tomorrow, Friday, where are we at with people? Where are we? Right?
1: And Eduardo, those people that were in those emotional mental crises that you had to intervene in, they, their world wasn't shit hit the fan. Mm-hmm. It was just their small their their own individual world, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. So. Or economics as well, you know. I'm I'm not saying we should spend our money and all of this. I, I think I've been poor at this, but like people through the jungle have contacted me, I've have I have like a WhatsApp group where I have to turn off the notifications, but people have needs, phys- physical and economic needs. I'm not able to do that, but I, I connect them with someone else that might be able to help them, you know? So I tell my Venezuelan friends, I helped you out here. Someone else needs your help. Now la cadenita sigaca, the little chain goes. So I can't do it. So all the 10 people I've helped, I, I tell them, now you have a responsibility to give them something. And then they then give something to them.
1: Again, it's your community. <laughs> yeah,
3: and I guess that that part is maybe, and I don't know if, if you would see this as something that you weren't saying, Eduardo. But when I think about building community, and I think about, because um, I I thought of myself as building a community at Mission High School, and I thought yeah. of myself as building an organized community of resistance in relationship to my union work and labor work, and as Darlin and I had often talked about. Much of our work was very one-sided, meaning much of our work was like what we were often being asked to do something for a fellow worker to help them in their time of need. And yes, they had to do, often they would have to do something, but a lot of times it was seen as like, what can you, what can you do for us? What can you do for us? And that, that dynamic didn't produce anything. I yeah. mean, there were, there were a, a lot of people that we helped out but it produced no network, Yeah, zero zero network. And I currently, as I think about building a network, it is a network in which I can help those people in that network, but it is not what I'm doing for them. It is what we we are capable of doing. That's to me the question. And if I feel like I'm with people where we are not capable of doing anything, that I'm with the wrong people. That's, and that, that I think is an important difference from what I feel like I'm talking about in terms of preparing for the future for the yes. city of Japan is I'm, I believe I have left behind my old network. That was not a network. Right. And I, the new network I'm building is one in which I will help, but also I, I know those other, other people will help and can help and do help. And they bring something to the table. and that, that is the set, that is the set of things that I will, that that's the, those are conditions for, for joining in community is that we, at, we can all find and have our hard days or hard weeks or even hard months or years, but inevitably we have to have something that we bring that, that makes this we stronger. And if, and if that person's not doing that, I'm not looking that I'm not looking to bring them in, to be honest, they, they may be there, but. That's not what I'm think I don't think of them as part of a structure. They're just kind of there. Yeah. Uh, and so just want to be clear about that.
0: No, I look can I respond to him? Yeah. Yeah. You know, Andy, I feel that way at my school where I'm I I, I feel that I'm just a fountain of resource. And I what I, I would love for and so sometimes we find ourselves there. So I, I want to distinguish, like, make two distinctions here. Yes, you are completely right, Andy. There, you have done that. I have been there, and I and I'm currently there. In many areas, <laughs> and uh, you know, I. The other day I was talking. Last week on Thursday I was in the um, ELAC uh, English language. Uh, I shoot! I don't want to mention it because I forget ELAC and the the questions that we were having, i wanted I always try to and i I'm never gonna I hope the principal doesn't look at this. I try to hijack these meetings, you know, I try to like okay, we're discussing the budget, yes, we discuss assessments, yes, we discuss learning uh, opportunities And my my objective every time I'm there, I try to hijack it so it's like, and what do we want to do as families, and how do we work with and it's always disrupting, right and so sometimes when I'm in these meetings, what happens is. I just raised the point. I I said to someone, "Oh, I you know I always say let's let's do let's do X Y and Z of doing this building thing together. We're going to build a group of families. Who's going to assist? And we're going to do a reading, or we're going to have a debate. Not a debate. I say debate, but like a a, con- a dialogue around like one of the things we're discussing right now, like families around LGBT issues. And I'm not necessarily want the teacher to lead it. I want us to have a discussion, honest, truthful discussion amongst us families." But what the school wants to do is they want to have top-down. They just want to have the teacher talk about and teach them and, and like, no, let's talk about our real, true, raw feelings about it, you know? And what do we have to say about it? You know, but that's, that's different from the way they want to talk about it. Anyhow, the point is when I talk about doing workshops or working together or building alliances or building our school community together, building, 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 I don't get a lot of calls. And when I talked about in the ELAC meeting, when I said, you know, if you are, you're trying to get uh, humanitarian parole, immigration parole, just let me know. I'll help you since I'm filling out forms anyway, and you can get my support for Nicaragüenses, Haitians, uh, Cubans, Venezuelans. And I got a lot of calls for that. <laughs> so I'm helping people out with those. And and yes, Andy, you're right. That then becomes a cycle. And so you have been there and i have seen that. I wish it was the other way around that. I'd get calls for building a network. And so, Andy, if that's the direction you go, I don't I don't judge it because I believe we should start building something. Maybe for me at this time, I as I'll I'll try an attempt to see how I've the energy in my in my life to try to build both because to try to do both, build and be of there for support people. Because I know people are going through stuff and they just need some sort of legal, com- this or doing that, or or try to figure out arrestors and try to take up your space to like take care of their self. Really, that's what's happening. And uh and I I the only thing I can say is I hope that through my generosity and I hope through their my reputation and helping them, they will trust me. So that when I ask them, you know, people can see that I have good intentions. That maybe that's that's what they'll do, but. Yes, and we want to stay away from, I believe, too, that the cycle of just becoming give, give, give and not building together and working uh, collaboratively becomes, it doesn't build anything. It doesn't. I don't want to. Yeah, that's what I'll say. Maybe it's just trying to alleviate some people suffering in this moment in time temporarily and then try to continuously do what you're other doing, which
3: is building the network or whatever, building your revolution. (laughs) <laughs> well, you are billion. I mean, you're part of my network I'm part of yours, so yeah, we're, we're doing that um, and I'm linked to things and you're linked to things, and Hema's linked to things. so I mean, we are doing that. It's just like that what you said there about i'm I would hope it led to the trust they would trust me and things like that. I had hoped all those things, and that proved absolutely not true. <laughs> when the covid moment took that's over true. So, so when the shit hits the fan and the government comes in bringing not just ideological fear but things to actually fear most of those people are going to crack And i i mean they're just that's what i'm going to say is they're they're going to they're going to look to keep to save their own skins and they're not going to remember that somebody you helped them that's my feeling that's true Andy. and, you and, and, and i'm, like I'm just saying a- that out of this this last experience Yes, yes, and people can
0: follow up on those experiences that we delved into. What's left, and
2: yeah, so. But I still, yeah
3: I still um I still have a lot of hope for what we've done, and I believe in the decision, Hema, that you're making with Jorge around. You know, bringing a life into this community. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm making a mini dictator. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it's so it's so dark. Um, but just to kind of tie it up in a lighter note, Lipson, do you remember when you were my just my teacher, my mentor, and you refused to have this be a two way street?
3: <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, but let's explain what that means.
1: No, because that's exactly the situation that you were at school where you give, 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 give yeah. and yeah. you didn't expect anything in return and yeah. then look at where you were. Now, I'm not trying to give myself any type of credit because I'm trying to think of where the heck did I learn to do that? I don't know where the fuck I learned to do that. Um, but I suppose it was just getting, you know, you suspect that if you really find a connection with someone, and you want them to be there for the rest of your life. Something's got to get. Right, And I'm glad that that happened. I'm glad that you started to expect something of me. Hmm. And hopefully it just becomes second nature to everyone. Give and expect something in return. (laughs) Capitalism.
2: (laughs) I would say it's a, it's a, it's a, what is it?
3: It's a two way street.
1: It's like capitalism this but just acknowledge all of these years of socialism and it's just it's it's capitalism. I,
2: <laughs> capitalism does not get <laughs> but I I hear your point.
1: I think that wraps it up, boys. I do want to say thank you. Look at us wearing bright colors. We didn't even coordinate the audience for those of you that are watching us. We did not coordinate these colors. <laughs> We're all, <blue> red. <laughs> all of us.
0: We do look good.
3: <laughs> I have. I don't, of, normally, I don't normally pay attention to those things. You mentioned it. I have been thinking of it more. So I am starting to think more what color should I wear for the episode?
1: I'm glad. Yeah.
3: All right. Well, All right. Being
2: changed by Hema.
1: All it took was two episodes.
0: <laughs> All righty. Well, that was a lively discussion and I didn't think I was going to contribute much to it. Honestly, I didn't know how to... I was thinking, what do I what do I have to say around this? But...
1: You feel it. Kema. We all feel it. Eduardo, we all feel it. We just don't know how to voice it.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing this this topic up, Kema. And if our audience wants to, they can comment and... Uh, see what they have to say. Yeah. All right. That does it for this week's episode. <clears throat> Let's conclude. What's Left is a weekly political podcast slash channel challenging the mainstream left. We post information about our topics and our guests on the episode notes, wherever you found this episode or on our blog at what'sleftpodcast.com. You can find uh, past episodes to this podcast channel there. and Connect with us. I remind folks, if you fancy anything you have heard here, you can always subscribe, rate the view, turn on your notifications to any of our platforms on Spotify, iTunes, Podcast, Google, Play, BitChute, Odyssey, YouTube, or Rumble, or Telegram. And you can find our blog in any of those links in the episode notes, wherever you found this episode. Uh, <clears throat> if you would like to give us feedback about something you've heard or suggest something for us to cover, contact us to our blog. Uh, I'm Eduardo Barca, co-hosts, Andy Luzon and Gemma Sotomayor. You can find our social personal social media handles as at Don Eduardo Barca and just a Twitter as at jhomie 89 and be sure to check out the link also to uh, uh, the East Bay Healing Collective if you want to check me out in Berkeley to have yoga or uh, uh website, which we'll talk about in further detail in another episode. Thank you all very much for listening. And we'll have you all next time. Ciao, ciao, ciao. Chaito.